Welcome back. It's another edition of Now Hear This Entertainment. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, and thanks for listening. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. Be sure you're checking out the official show website at nhte.net and sign up for the e-newsletter there. Just put your email address in the sign-up box, and I will only send to you once a week to let you know about the newest episode. There are also links on the website for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who just last Friday put out a double release, two singles. Also this summer, she released an EP that drew praise from the likes of Billboard and Forbes. She has been busy this year with other music releases and a tremendously successful Kickstarter campaign, which we will talk about today. She has more than 10,000 followers on Spotify, where she is currently getting more than 67,000 monthly listeners. 12 days ago, she released a new lyric video, which already has more than 1,300 views on YouTube. She was the guest way back on episode 14 of this show. You've been hearing a song of hers called Send You My Love. It's my pleasure to welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Liz Longley. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Bruce. Absolutely. Welcome back. It's been way, way too long. Glad to have you on the show. I know. What a throwback. Yeah. When you reached out, I was like, wow, I can't believe six years have passed. So it's good to be back. I feel like looking back at, at where you and I were six years ago, like we're little babies. It's amazing how much has changed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, especially this year, especially, you know, sometimes you look back and you're like, wow, I did not know how good I had it. I wish I could just go back. And how, and how, well, Liz, I was talking over your song during the intro, which is a shame in more ways than one, because I really like it myself, but go ahead and tell the audience all about send you my love. Thank you. Yeah. So this song actually came about in quite an unusual way, at least in my experience as a songwriter, I was on the road, um, in the fall of 2018, I think it was. And I was touring through Texas and doing a house concert. I like to do those. I think they're super fun. And the granddaughter of the host, um, I knew she liked to sing, but I had been writing the song. I had everything but the bridge. And she walked into the room where I was singing and warming up. And I just asked her if she wanted to sing along and hear this new song. And maybe if she had any ideas, (laughs) I was stuck. (laughs) And um, she started singing along and she came up with the entire bridge and it was just so cool. She's seven years old at the time. What? And um, yeah. So then when it came time to make the record, uh, she flew to Nashville with her grandparents and had her first studio experience. And it was so much fun. So it's my first time writing a song with a seven year old. And uh, her first, you know, real song on a record. (laughs) Uh, And it's just started this whole journey where she's really started to learn the joy of writing about your feelings. And she's learning piano and singing. And I get FaceTime calls every now and then and get to hear her latest creation. So Mm. this song means a lot to me because of how it was brought about. But um, it is a song about traveling back in the old days when us musicians traveled <laughs> and trying to feel connected to my other half while you know taking in the great beauty that the world has to offer when you're getting to see it from a new point of view 
Well, you know, I mentioned in the intro that you were on episode 14 of this show, and now we're all the way up to episode 341. And I think this is the first time that I've ever heard anybody, especially with all the guests that have been on the show who are in Nashville, they're always talking about co-writing with this person, or I did the song with this one and this one. And I think you're the first one that's ever said, I co-wrote this one with a seven-year-old in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. I know. And not a single song on this record was an intentional co-write. Mm. Um, the only other song that I wrote, um, well, most all of them are songs that I started on my own, and then you know I took that one to Texas and and she finished it. And then I think there are two more that um, my fiance walked in the room and he had, hey, what if you said this there? And you know he became part of uh, <laughs> some of the songs too. But um, otherwise, yeah, I I. I I love the whole songwriting scene in Nashville and I've had phases that I've gone through where I've written, you know, every day with a different writer and it's a great experience, but, um, I still do just treasure the cathartic experience of writing on my own. And so that's kind of why this record is the way it is. It's the songs that really were about what I was going through at the time. Yeah. And I like hearing that because I had joked not that long ago, on an episode of Now Hear This Entertainment that when you move to Nashville, they sit you down and they explain to you, okay, you understand that by moving here, you have to co-write. You can't write by yourself. And I'm <laughs> saying it tongue-in-cheek, but you know, there's so, so, so much co-writing that goes on there. So it is yes. kind of refreshing to hear that, yeah, you know, I could probably sit down and write with someone different every day of the week, but I still got to have my Liz time when I just write on my yeah. own. And of course, obviously a songwriter is going to go to a co-write and has to have kind of something that, that they already have in the hopper. So mm-hmm. I think really they kind of go hand in hand. Sometimes I feel, you know, it's good to hear you say that because sometimes I feel like I'm not in the club because I, I'm telling you, it, it could be sometimes a year that I go without really co-writing. And, um, and that means turning down opportunities, but I just really try to trust my gut, even though my head is like, Oh, you're not, you're not doing the thing. You know, are you legit? You know, there's a lot of like a lot of back and forth in my head about it. But, um, but time and time again, uh, I just feel more connected to the songs that I write on my own because I mean, most times I end up in, in my own rights, I end up crying something out and processing something. And it's, that's what keeps me going is knowing that I'm working on something like emotionally and potentially allowing someone else to do the same. And, um, I think I have tried to create relationships with friends where we can write and really talk about the hard stuff and, and lead to songs that will do that. But it is harder to come by. Well, and let's face it, when you achieve a certain level of success, it kind of becomes a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you're a songwriter who's in Nashville that is so stubborn and insists on never co-writing and you're having more success washing dishes than you are with the songs that you're writing, it's probably time that you co-write with somebody. Right. But in your case, you know, the the formula is working for you. So they used to say, my opinion in five cents will get you a cup of coffee. So for whatever that's worth, (laughs) you know, why wouldn't you stick with it? Right. I do want to mention that there is news listeners that I just announced on last week's episode. So in case you didn't hear it, this is the deal. There is a survey out where I am asking for your feedback about this show and Somebody who participates is going to win a $25 Amazon e-gift card. There are a couple ways you can get at the survey to fill it out. Either look at the posts that I put up on Facebook and Twitter on August 11th, since there is a link to the survey in those posts, or just email me 
at podcast at nhte.net and ask me for the link and I'll send it to you so you can fill it out. The drawing will be September 14th, so get onto that survey in time so that you get entered for the Amazon gift card. Here's something else really cool. After Liz and I are done recording this episode, she and I are going to continue to chat some more in bonus audio that will only be available through Patreon. The good news is that it's only five bucks to sign up for that, and it will give you access to exclusive content with other guests all the way back to last Christmas. Plus, you'll get all the ones that I release going forward, of course. Just go to my show website, nhte.net, and use the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button to sign up so that you'll get to hear what else Liz Longley and I discuss, and you'll be supporting the show in the process. Liz, walk us through this. In May, you released the four-song Funeral for My Past EP, and then in late June, you put out a five-song EP, which had the same artwork as Funeral for My Past and four of the same songs, but it was titled differently for the one new song on it. So keeping in mind that there are a lot of folks who listen to this show because they're aspiring performers and want to learn from me and my guest each week, explain that approach that you took that I just described. Yeah, so um, I'm newly independent, and this is my first time putting out a record as an independent artist in quite some time, and um, Spotify was barely a thing last time I did uh, (laughs) an independent record, for example, Um, and this is a record that I really cared about and wanted to bring on a team who had the same goals as me. So one of those things I knew I wanted to do uh, with this record was slowly release it because the last time I put out a record, it felt like I put it out and it was gone. Like mm. two weeks later, it just evaporated and I didn't feel like the new m- music had an impact. Um, people's attention span nowadays is so much shorter. So um, I feel like stringing it along made more um, use of a record that we put sometimes years into. And in this case, it had been many years. So, um, my whole goal was to just release it slowly over time. And as that came to be, they started in January. Um, when it came time to put the fourth single out, uh, it was the title track. And so we debated among my team how best to do that. If the, the whole concept of water falling on Spotify is that if someone hears the latest song, then they then hear every other song that is a part of that project. So instead of releasing the fourth one as a single, because it was the title track, it all got grouped together. Uh, and it called it an EP, which it is not an EP. It's a part of a record. So that kind of bugs me a little bit. But um, hmm. it's all so that they're, they're grouped together. And then Finally High um, should have appeared under that group. I don't really know why I didn't, but, um, eventually in September, the entire record will fall under the, the title of the album, you know, from my past and they'll all be grouped together. But until then, um, that, yeah, that's why it's a whole waterfalling concept, which was totally foreign to me until now. Well, but I like the description that you gave because as soon as you said that previously you would release something and it's done and over with just like that, that answered it for me right there. Because Mm. similarly, you know, over the course of January, March, and April, listeners, Liz had released three singles and they all ended up being on these EPs that we're talking about or what she's not liking them being referred to as EPs. But (laughs) the bottom line is, you know, this is... This is a business approach here. I know back on episode 331, I asked Mike Burke a similar question, which in his case was why put out two singles only to have them 
also be two of the four that would be on your EP. So I like this strategy that you're talking about, Liz, but I think it's important, audience, to note that you said in there, Liz, that this is actually building towards a full album. So I'm understanding better, Liz, why you're saying I don't like that they called it an EP. Right. And it's just, it's just a technical thing on, you know, on the platforms that has to happen. But, you know, among my fan base, this was a a record that they knew was coming for a long time because last year I launched a Kickstarter that helped me buy it back and they knew that it was coming. So the first song that came out, it was like, this is a single off my upcoming album. And every time I've, I've sold it like that. And so even with a double single, it's like, okay, these are the last two songs you're going to hear before the whole record comes out. So you still have a chance to pre-order the whole record on vinyl, on CD. And that way, the almost getting little pieces of it to the public digitally is my, my hope is that it encourages people to buy physical copies of, of the music because that's how we survive as artists. I know it's crazy, but um, driving vinyl sales is, is a, is a definitely a, a tactic behind that. Yeah, this is exciting. So let's get some specifics here. So do we have a date and and will the album still be called Funeral for My Past? And and then obviously, most importantly, how can people pre-order vinyl and CDs? Yes, um, Funeral for My Past is the title of the album. And they can be ordered. The vinyl and CD is available on my website, LizLongley.com. L-O-N-G-L-E-Y is my last name. And uh, yeah, they're there. And since everything's in, you know, in shutdown with no live shows or anything, um, I'm shipping them out early. So anybody who pre-orders it in advance gets it as soon as I get the order. So that's been fun to feel connected to people in some way, you know, when it feels like everything is so far apart. But even though you're shipping early, the official release date will be what? September 18th. So everything will be online September 18th. Okay, okay. So, listeners, Liz has an amazing story that I couldn't wait to get her on the show to share. Of course, the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account follows all the people who have been guests on this show now over six and a half years and by the way only follows people who have been guests on the show so if you're ever wondering i follow you bruce why don't you follow me back it's my way of keeping up with everybody who's been on this show so i can continue to stay up on what they're doing and support them and be in the know so i remember seeing on instagram when this amazing accomplishment happened for liz so while we've been talking about getting all this new music recorded and released and promoted, Liz, go ahead and share with the audience about the amazing success that you had with your Kickstarter. Yeah, it was quite the the journey. Um, in October, I launched a Kickstarter. It's my, actually my second one I've ever launched. Um, the first one I launched, I made a record that then got me a record deal. And then I was on the label for several years, and I had made Funeral for My Past, the album, and suddenly things were shifting at the label and it was very clear that the the best thing for me to do was to buy my music back and go independent. Um, but it was at a price tag at which I could not afford to buy my own music. So um, I debated it for a really long time and was finally encouraged, just do Kickstarter again. I'm sure your listeners will rally around you and help you buy back the record. And um, wow, they really did. <laughs> like beyond my wildest expectations, the goal was reached in one day. Mm. Um, and we raised three times the amount of the goal. So $150,000 in 
in 30 days thanks to 1302 very special kickstarter backers <laughs> wow that that's, that's yeah. remarkable that's remarkable yeah. Um, I guess I should say, because this is a podcast where you're talking to artists, people in the industry, um, maybe hoping to one day launch their own Kickstarter, that um, as amazed as I am, I also know that I put in so much work, months of work leading up to it before I ever launched to make sure that it would be at least funded. Um, So, I mean, hours, days, planning, um, reaching out to everyone to ask if they would commit everyone that I could on my email list to ask if they would be willing to commit to being part of my Kickstarter on the launch day, because launch day is the most important day to have somebody show up. So let me be clear. So you were asking them hypothetically, you weren't saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, I've launched. You were saying, if I was to launch a Kickstarter, would you be in on it? It was more like, Hey, I'm launching a Kickstarter on this date. Okay. The first day of the launch is so important are you willing to mark your calendar and be there for me that day? So explain why is the first day so important? Uh, Kickstarter says it's the most important because from then there on, it's a conversation. Like it, there, There's already hype around it. Hey, it's working. It's off to a great start. Okay. Okay. We're going to do this, you know? And then the, the more it's funded, the more people feel like they're, they're going to be part of a successful campaign. They're going to get what they paid for. Etc. And so having funded it the first day was then, I mean, that was insane. And so then people were just going, oh my God, can you believe this? And they're sharing it and sharing it and it's growing and growing. And eventually I had people donating to it that I, I don't even know if they really knew who I was at that point. <laughs> you know, they were becoming fans because it was, it was music industry news. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're having this discussion because I feel like there was a period of time when Kickstarter was really all the rage and yeah. I found myself talking to lots of guests on this show about it, maybe almost too many, it started to feel. And now it seems like right. there's been quite a drought, at least for me. So this whole crowdfunding idea, again, those of you who are listening that are performers and are going to get inspired by Liz's story and say, wow, I've got to get a Kickstarter going. Maybe you don't realize how much actually goes into it and how you have to be ready for that in more ways than one, meaning you can't be, I've never put out any music before, so I'm going to get my first project crowdfunded. And I'm also talking about, and Liz, I want you to, to comment on everything I'm saying, but how much goes into it in terms of, like you say, not only the work that you put in building up, but then you are in full-on self-promotion mode for 30 days. Now, granted, for you, it came a little easier, Liz, because it was funded on day one. But you can probably speak from your first experience compared to this one that it's probably all you're doing you know, you're putting aside some of the usual music business to say, I got to focus on my Kickstarter. Exactly. And, um, sometimes it helps to be on the road and, you know, using that as a conversation point on stage. Um, but yeah, I I definitely agree. Like the the most important thing is, uh, at least for me, uh, was having a connection with my audience that, I mean, I could, uh, all, most of my big donors, I, I've probably been to their house. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but I do a lot of house concerts. And I also, I just have, I have a close relationship with a lot of my fans. I talk to everybody after a show and I want them to know that I care about them because they're supporting the thing that I love the most in my life. And no, them knowing that I appreciate them is absolutely essential in them continuing to support me. Um, and a lot of these people have, you know, been there for me over the years. So 
reaching out to them personally and knowing that like, Hey, I, I would love to see your name like on the list of people that were there for me through this or whatever. But, um, also just years of being on the road and creating those connections helped me get to that point. So lots of planning. And like you said, it keeps going for the 30 days. So stretch goals are huge to motivate them to tell someone else, Hey, if we get a thousand backers, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also I was lucky to get to almost collaborate with Delta Ray because, um, if you know, if you don't know Delta Ray, they're an incredible band based here in Nashville and they had just launched a Kickstarter and raised, I think it was like half a million dollars and they just absolutely slayed and they got out of their record deal and we kind of collaborated. It was like, you know what, this is what we're going to offer. If, Hey, Delta Ray fans, if you get over here and help Liz reach this goal, she's going to do a Delta Ray cover. Wow. So yeah, just ways to make it more interesting for, for the backers. So I'm about to give out your website address. You said it before, and obviously, listeners, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. But before I give out your website address, your social media, all those details, on your website, Liz, there are six shows in four different states listed for October and then two more in two other states in November. Are those all still really on as of now? Um, I, you know... I don't think so. Mm. I I don't feel comfortable, but, Mm. um, you know, we've kind of just taken it month by month. We're not just wiping everything out. We're just trying to, um, take it step by step. So I'm sticking to online shows for now. All right. Well, fingers crossed and listeners, I'll encourage you to keep up with her online anyways, so you can stay up on which shows are on and which are not in terms of going to see her in person. In the meantime, I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by singer, songwriter, guitar player Liz Longley. Visit her official website at lizlongley.com. As I said, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. There are actually shows already scheduled for next year in March, April, June, and July. So as I said, keep up with Liz online to see where and when you can hopefully go see her perform live in person. On LizLongley.com, you will see links to click on for her social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Plus, you will see links there for her music. You can follow her on Spotify, but the better way to support her is to purchase downloads from iTunes, which is Apple Music. But even better than that, as you heard her describe is physical units that you can order now for her new album, which is coming next month. I mentioned earlier about the survey that I hope that you'll take for Now Hear This Entertainment. Look for the August 11th Facebook and Twitter posts. If you're not already on my Facebook or Twitter, just go to the show website, nhte.net, and look for the icons for those platforms, and then go find the link to the survey in the August 11th posts. Alternatively, you can email me at podcast at nhte.net and ask me to send you the link to the survey. Remember, September 14th, there will be a random drawing, and someone who takes the survey will win a $25 Amazon e-gift card. Don't forget, too, about the bonus audio with Liz Longley that will only be available through the Patreon for the show. Go to nhte.net and use the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button to go sign up to gain access to the exclusive content that she and I will be recording, as well as that from the past 30-plus weeks going all the way back to last Christmas. It's only 5 bucks to get started with that, and you're helping support my show. Liz, in talking about your live dates, obviously we all know about the performers really taking a hit because of the pandemic and not being able to go out and play shows. 
How have you been staying creative while being quarantined? You know, it's been, I, I won't, I won't lie. It's been a challenge. There were, there were many months where I felt almost paralyzed just because there's so much going on in the world and uh, a lot to take in and a lot to process and things ever changing. But, um, I finally realized I just had to start something and commit to some a project. So I decided to make a Christmas uh, EP. It's an oh. EP, not an album. <laughs> and uh, I had already written uh, an original Christmas song in the past, so I thought, why not try to write several more? So it's been a fun challenge to get in the Christmas spirit, you know, wow. put Christmas lights around the house and uh, wear Christmas sweaters and write Christmas music and uh, so in a couple of weeks, I'll be going into the studio again uh, with Paul Moak at Smokestack, which is where I recorded Funeral for My Past. And, you know, get creative again and tap into something hopeful and beautiful and get those warm, fuzzy feelings all over again. <laughs> it's been a long time. Did you really put up Christmas decorations and get in Christmas sweaters and everything to really kind of get in that mindset? Yes, wow. yes. I have a room in my house where I write, uh, where I write music, and it's where my piano and my guitar, my guitars are. And I set up a fake tree and put all the lights around it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did that. And then uh, to finish writing it, I was lucky that my friends have a lake house, and they said, "Hey, come here, take over the house." And I got there, and my friend had sent me a surprise Christmas package of all these Christmas decorations. Mm. So I, I got into it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's it's not unlike when you hear about an actor, you know, really studying to get into character for a film project that's upcoming. And, yeah. And that's that's tremendous. I, I don't know that I, I can tell you for sure that there's no one that I've interviewed since the pandemic hit that has said, well, I've been working on a Christmas album. Uh, but to, oh, to not only do it, to not only do it and to to write to the extent that you have hats off to you because that's tremendous. It's obviously going to show in what comes out. So listeners, be sure to look for that, obviously, later this year, too. What about your fans, though, Liz, your followers, the listeners? How do you stay connected with them during this time? Well, like everybody, I've been, you know, doing a lot of the online shows, which has definitely kept my spirits up. Those are the nights I look forward to. Um, but I was excited to hear that you do a Patreon, because that's actually what I'm doing to, to re-up that connection and offer people something that I just... You know, I'm, I'm a little bit guarded on what I share, and I just realize I have so many songs that, like, you know, they're not maybe recorded at the level that my albums are recorded, but there are things that I would love to share with anybody who's interested and behind the scenes of, like, the making of the Christmas album and really getting to mm. invite people in in a different way, go live from the studio. Um, mm, wow. So I decided to launch a Patreon, and... and um, you know, I didn't know if I would ever do that, but I am a patron of uh, other people and have really enjoyed getting behind the scenes stuff. So that's that's what I've been working on. And uh, it's cool that you do it. You've been doing it for how long? I've been doing mine for a couple of years, but I changed it as of January, I'll call it, just because I was overthinking it. And mm -hmm. bonus content is something that really seems to appeal to a lot of people. And mm -hmm. I do a little behind the scenes on that Patreon content myself. Anyways, kind of talking about, you know, where did I find the guest or, you know, kind of a neat story around the interview. So, um, yeah, Patreon is is a way for someone like me that's very structured to become unstructured and to kind of relax and mm. put out something that doesn't have to stick to a format of, 
a week to week show. And I love that you're saying that right. because this has come up on a number of interviews where I'll say to a songwriter, gee, how does that feel to write so many songs? And all of a sudden you put out an album. It's like, OK, well, I got to pick the 10 best. And what happens to all those other ones? So that's that's a great outlet yeah. for those for someone to say, well, let me go to the Liz Longley Patreon and I'll get to hear some of those songs that she's done that you can't get anywhere else. Exactly. Yeah, because when you're making a record, you're you're trying your best to make it cohesive and do the messages fit together? Do like how does this all work as a as a piece? And there are songs. There have been songs that have been fully produced, recorded. And then we're like, this message though doesn't like line up with everything else. Let's cut it. Yeah. Um. So it'll be fun to just kind of get a, give people a window into the creative process and um just you know show them videos of my dog walking on the treadmill. No, <laughs> that is one thing I have done though. I got into that during quarantine. It's like, I'm going to teach my dog how to walk on the treadmill. So, <laughs> Well, but you know, the other thing is that that's the reality right now is that you are somebody who normally is on the road a ton. And so people have to understand that this is a big part of how the music community has been hit is that the performers who rely on being on the road have lost substantial income right. because you can't tour. And so here's a way that people can say, all right, I probably would have been paying money out to go see her in person anyway, so why don't I just pay that money out and get something different in return? In my case, I say, like the artists that are on my show every week, like these are my new releases. Like every week I have a new release. Mm -hmm. It's just a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for the people who feel that they're getting value from my show or getting entertainment value or they're learning from me to say, that's something that I want to support. I'll pay the $5 for the extra content. So it's nice that there's something like Patreon out there where you can say, obviously I'd rather be on the road. Obviously I'd rather be playing my songs right. in front of live audiences and connecting with people but at least I can still connect with people in a different way, even if it is Liz Longley Patreon instead of Liz Longley coming to your town. Exactly. We're making making lemonade out of lemons. And, you know, a lot of artists at the higher level can survive perhaps easier with all the Spotify streams they get and online digital plays, whatever. But when you really think about it, um, I think it's 7,500 Spotify plays equals $5 to an artist. So if you could pay $5 and get a bunch of other stuff instead of listening to their song yeah. 7,500 <laughs> times, um, I, I just think it's a cool opportunity. And, you know, like you're saying, that, that connection that you get at a live show, um, that's going to start turning into uh, like online Zoom meet and greets uh, on page, for Patreons and um I don't know. I'm excited to just explore and um, just get to connect, just get to be creative in a different way and keep the connections going. Yeah. And just to talk a little further about everything surrounding the impact of the pandemic on artists, back on episode 270 of this show, I talked to Daryl Friedman from the Recording Academy about their advocacy efforts. And Liz, you are a district advocate. Explain what that is and how you're taking action for the music community. Yeah, we actually just had our first meeting today talking with Representative Jim Cooper and talking about our needs as artists and making sure that bills get passed that protect us moving forward and um, just keeping the conversation going so that people know that, you know, we need we need our voices to be heard, too. And in order for our music to keep getting made and getting played for people's entertainment, we we need to survive this, you know, like so many other people. Um so, yeah, they just launched that today, and um, I'm excited to be part of it. 
Well, so another creative approach that you have taken in terms of non-traditional projects for artists, you offer something called custom video keepsakes. Describe what those are for the audience. I do. Yeah, that's been really fun to do in this time. Um, So my fiance is a videographer and uh, we started offering um, personalized birthday shout outs where I'll we'll do a high quality filmed video and then I'll play a song uh, specifically for them and I'll talk to them as if they're standing at the, like in the room with me. Um, But usually it's requested by, you know, someone on their behalf. So they'll say, so-and-so loves the song and, you know, they're retiring um, from being a teacher or, or they're a really hardworking nurse and they need some love right now. And just getting to do something like that for people, in this time where I feel like we're on an emotional roller coaster, that's been really, really fun. And I've also, um, most of those I've actually turned out to be private online concerts instead. They're like, actually we want a whole show. Mm. So I'll just create a private stream for them, get all their requests, interact with them between songs. And it feels like I'm doing a house concert for them, but we're both safely at home and they can invite all their friends and they have the show forever because I just keep it on a private YouTube link. Wow. Wow. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. And unfortunately there's not as much travel going on as we all wish there would be, especially the airline and hotel industry and big places like Las Vegas. But folks listen to me when I tell you that the Access Vegas newsletter is something that you want to be reading anyways. If you're planning to go there in the next month, if you're planning to go there in the next six months, the next year, Las Vegas changes regularly. And one way to keep up with everything that goes on out there is the Access Vegas newsletter. These are folks who are right there in Las Vegas and have been for some time now. And they're giving you insider tips. They're help making your trip efficient when you go there, whether it's on short notice, whether it's for just a short weekend, whether it's something that you plan for months and months and you're going to spend a week or two weeks there, whether it's business or personal, Access Vegas has all kinds of great tips, insider information. There's discounts that you don't need coupons for, and it's all right in your email inbox. Go to my show website, nhte.net, and click on the Access Vegas logo, and then during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE for $5 off. And you'll be on your way to getting their emails. You'll get to join the private Facebook group. And they even have special reports that you could look at as well. So again, go to nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Liz, earlier we talked a lot about your music, but there's a song out there by Hadwin that got a nice placement. Fill the audience in on what I'm talking about and your connection to it. Sure. Yeah. Hadwin is a project started by my friend Ian Kigi, who's a great songwriter. Um, I've been lucky to write with him several times and everything we've written pretty much has ended up on an album of mine. Um, but then he started this new project under Hadwin where he brings in a different artist every time to write a song and he produces the track and the artist sings it. And, um, he's had Maddie Diaz, who I love, Uh, And then he brought me in and we did Human. We wrote that in October and it came out in January. It's a song that I just love and it's taken on for me a whole new meaning with all that's going on in the world. It's just about how it's hard to be human and, um, and it's okay to not be perfect and 
so yeah, we put that out in January and then it ended up um, getting on an episode of an MTV show called Siesta Key. It's very dramatic, but uh, <laughs> it was cool to have something like that happen. Uh, but again, for those listening that are up and comers, that because TV and film placement is still all the rage these days, do you know how it got on that show since it wasn't necessarily your song? Is it just kind of like it ended up and it was nice for me or or do you actually know how that placement occurred? I do know how that placement occurred and um, pretty much like 90% of the time I know how it occurs because um, I've had I've had several placements over the years and um, with this one, um, Ian has a film and TV um, company he works with and they help get his music um, placed. And so they reached out and said, would you guys be okay with this? And we approved it. So um, the only time I haven't known or approved it beforehand is if it went through my label and, you know, and they, they handle all the songs that they own. Um, But, you know, before I got signed, I was working with a company that would, literally like put together writing camps and say we need a song for the end of a show but we don't know what the show is go and we'd write the song that was like about something ending and it's vague and and boom it's the biggest placement i've ever had and it was on army wives in lifetime on lifetime tv and um you just really never know but um but yeah it's all just kind of at least in my experience, it's just been luck because I don't have a company that does that for me specifically. Yeah, I was going to say six years ago, back when Liz was on the show on episode 14, I had been mentioning there that her music had been heard on two ABC TV shows and another one on the CW. And because it's been six years, Liz, and because things have gone so well for you since then, I imagine there have been many, many more placements since then. Yes. No, actually, um, because after that is when I signed the record deal and um, they didn't really have anybody working any of the music that I released Mm. under that that umbrella. So it's been kind of a dry spell. But yeah, it's uh, one of those songs that that was on the ABC shows. It's called Rescue My Heart. I coincidentally wrote that with Ian as well. Um, And that has just continued to get placed and it's taken on a life of its own. I think it's the most streamed song I have by at least twofold. Um, so it's kind of interesting that those songs can continue to grow and especially in the world where we're all on, you know, Netflix and watching old shows and Mm -hmm. shazamming and finding things they've continued to have a life because the shows continue to have a life. So it's really been a great way to, to, you know, pay your bills. But in the interest of transparency, though, I I have to imagine that there have to be a lot of examples out there of artists who have had a song placed and said, honestly, I I didn't really see much of a spike, you know, or I saw a spike, but it was very short lived. Would you agree with that? Yes. Human saw no spike. Mm. But Rescue My Heart, I mean, I don't know why, but I think it was featured more in the shows where where human, I mean, it was a blip. I don't think you would have even been able to really shazam it, you know, but Mm -hmm. it was just a conversation point and a cool thing to be part of, but it wasn't a feature as much. So I think it depends. Um, The other song that, you know, the one that I got on Lifetime, it's called This Is Not The End. That was a full feature as well. And to this day, I have people that say I found you on Army Wives. So that's 
pretty cool. But wow. yeah, it's definitely hit or miss. And when I get a placement, I don't, I don't assume that it's going to change my career in any way. Mm. Wow, that's great advice. That's great advice because, as I said, TV and film placement is such a big thing that I think there is this belief that if I can get my song placed, I'm going to be, I don't want to say set, but things will really take off for me. So I'm glad that you're here to set the record straight and say, don't put all your eggs in that basket. You know, and that's funny that you say that because just in general, I think I was saying this to my mom like a week ago, is that maybe it's the thing, everything's slowing down that's made me reflect. But I think early on in my career, I looked at opportunities as, oh, this is going to change. This is going to be the thing. This is what's going to break me. And in my situation, nothing has done that. It just, it's a slow, steady build. All the pieces come together to make the whole picture a success. But it is, it is not, it is not one thing that breaks you. I think it's just constantly aiming to connect and just keep showing up. You just keep showing up. Yeah. And how many times have we heard on this very show where guests will say that you can't go and write a song and say, oh my gosh, this is going to be a hit because it typically turns out that it doesn't become a hit. Yeah. And it's the one that becomes a hit that you say, I never would have thought it would be that song. That So to participate the way you're saying, Liz, to just show up and to be dedicated to your craft and give it your all every time out, that's a better approach than saying, okay, here we go. I'm going on American Idol. I think this is going to be it. Or, okay, here we go. I'm getting a placement. Or, okay, here we go. Insert big opportunity here. Yeah. And constantly remembering your why behind what you do will help you put that into focus. Like, my, I am not doing music to get a TV and film placement. I am not doing music to get mm. on TV. I am not doing music to make money although I have to do it, make time to make money in order to keep doing it. But I'm doing music because I want to feel a human connection. That is my drive. That has always been my drive. Wow. And um, that's that's how I just keep going is because I can't just – you can't put all of your eggs in any basket except for what motivates you. What Why are you doing it in the first place? So great. So great. And a, and a good way to end. So we're going to close today with another song of yours, one called Three Crow – before you and I jump over to record some exclusive bonus audio for Patreon, tell the audience all about this song, please. Ooh, sure. Um, okay, uh, Three Crow is a bar in East Nashville. Um, it's actually a bar where a lot of stars, mu- musicians, famous musicians, hung out, maybe still hang out, pre-fame, Casey Musgraves, Marin Morris, you know, the whole country scene. Um, so anyway, it's about that bar. Um and it's a personal story. I think the lyrics will speak for themselves, but I had gotten into a relationship that had become um, a difficult one to be in. And this was my this song was my way of working it out and drawing boundaries for myself because I was no longer feeling safe or respected. Um, and ultimately, I had to draw a boundary so that I could feel safe again. Um, and that's what the song is about: drawing the lines. Okay, so just like setting up the Christmas stuff in summer and wearing a Christmas sweater, did you go to Three Crow for inspiration to help write the song? <laughs> no, the first line of the song is, I don't go to Three Crow anymore. <laughs> We've been in touch with the bar, and they're totally cool with it and very supportive. <laughs> uh, you were in touch with them before or after the release of the song. I think this is important to, to, to clarify. It was... 
it was right before, right before, uh, my publicist, you know, I told him, I was like, I'm a little bit nervous about this. And he said, you know what? I actually know the bar owner. I'm going to reach out to her. She's going to be so cool with it. She's super cool. She's, she's kind of in the music industry anyway. And she was, and she followed me on Instagram right away and retweeted the song. And yeah, it was really sweet. Okay. Nice. Well, Liz, this has been great. I'm so glad to finally get you back on the show. Long overdue. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks for having me. And all the best with the official release of the new album coming next month. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Liz Longley. Do visit her official website at lizlongley.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then once you land on her website, look for the shows option to see the list of where and when she will hopefully be performing live. You'll also see links on her website to Liz on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. I have been following her on social media since back when she was on episode 14 of the show, so please do the same if you're not already. It's long overdue. And tell her that you heard her and her music on Narrow This Entertainment. She is taking pre-orders now for her new album, which will be out next month. So look on LizLongley.com into getting either vinyl or CD and support Liz that way. Remember that while you can follow her on Spotify, the better way to support her is to purchase downloads of her music that's already out via iTunes, which is Apple Music. Look for links on LizLongley.com. Don't forget to look on Facebook or Twitter for the link to the survey that I have out there for this podcast, or just email me at podcast at nhte.net to ask me to send you the link. Again, one person who fills out the survey will win a $25 Amazon e-gift card in a drawing to be held September 14th. Liz and I will have bonus audio that you can hear through the Patreon for this show at patreon.com nhte or use the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button on the show website, nhte.net. It's only 5 bucks to get started, and you'll also unlock the bonus audio from the past 30-plus weeks going all the way back to Christmas. I would truly appreciate your support of the show through Patreon. For now, that will do it for episode 341. We'll send you out today with another song from Liz Longley. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Three Crow. I don't go to Three Crow anymore Cause it reminds me of the night you got so drunk You got into it with someone in the bar And I was there to drive how your hair was such a mess from all the alcohol and sweat. Everything you said was such a blur. Still, I understood enough to know it was meant to hurt. Tried to kiss it, I gave you out.
cosmic I swallowed a few 